Hey everybody, welcome back to Gig Ready. Jordan Goodfellow here. Real quick before we get started today, just wanted to say thanks again for listening. You guys are awesome. We appreciate all your feedback. We appreciate you letting us know how we're doing. So please feel free to keep that feedback coming. You can send us emails at gigready at gigrent.com or jump online onto your favorite podcast app and uh, leave us a review. Tell everybody we're five stars because I know we are. And uh, we're looking forward to a great show today. But first off, I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are awesome as professionals. Uh, I know we've been through a tough time over the last 12 months. uh, But as professionals go, you guys are the greatest in the world. And there's nobody else like you. So thanks so much for being an event professional. And we're looking forward to this new episode of the Gig Ready Podcast. All right, guys, thanks for that dance. I appreciate it. Jordan Goodfellow here, Gig Ready. We're really excited about today. Um, We've got a very special guest with us from the actual local chapter in Oregon, the live events industry of Oregon, Dwayne Thomas. He's also the president and founder of Greenlight Creative. They are a boutique event lighting design and production company. He, of course, has been a lighting designer for 40 years, which is an incredible career. Um, And recently, he actually became the founder and president of the live events industry of Oregon. Really long intro, but uh, Dwayne, thanks for being here. Uh, Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking about what's happening in the industry right now and how people can uh, get some help, support, and uh, help support our industry. Cheers. Thanks. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. And we also talk to you guys both. Yeah, who's, 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 we also, your, who's your sidekick there? I know, that's and that's where I was going to next. We have a sidekick today, bringing the color, bringing the commentary. Co-host today, Joe Mack of More Than Light. He's here to help us talk about what the industry's doing and where it's going. Joe, uh, so glad to have you here. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me back. I had such a great time last time. I couldn't, couldn't keep me away. Couldn't stay away. Well, where to start? Um, you know, Dwayne, you jumped onto the, the board of uh, the, the national board of the Live Events Coalition, um, being the government affairs chair over there. Quite the responsibility. Um, moving from being a lighting designer and having not uh, had much work, I'm sure, for the last 12 months or so. Now you're lobbying Capitol Hill. You're working on behalf of the events industry. Uh, what has that role kind of brought to you, brought to mind the change, everything that revolves around that? Boy, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, uh, it, it is, it is not like event lighting design at all whatsoever, as you can imagine. Um, it's not like it in, in so many ways. Um, the business cycle is really different. For, we have a very closed loop in our world in, in, in events. And so, you know, the curtain goes up at seven o'clock on, on the 9th, whether you're ready or not. Um, so deadlines are a real thing with us. And although there's deadlines in governance, certainly, um, uh, there are so many ways to delay those. Uh, so getting used to that cycle of events uh, and learning that patience has been uh, a, a pretty heavy lift so far. Um, the other thing is, um, I, I put it to someone the other day like this. Um, imagine if we didn't have uh, almost any access to a client that we're trying to sell something to, to sell our services to, <laughs> but you desperately need to sell it. 
Um, that's kind of what talking to members of Congress is like. Um, you, you'll probably get the meeting. Um, the member probably won't be in it, um, but it could take months and, and wow. your, your problem could have sunset by then um, or, or the opportunity to get your foot in the door might have, might have now just disappeared. Um, the other thing about it is uh, uh, we, especially in lighting, um, you, you, you know, you get to look at the results of your work and go, cool. Uh, and most always it's, it's you know, something something you're at least reasonably happy with it, if you're any good at it, I suppose. Um, the results are almost always disappointing in, in government um, advocacy. Uh, it's generally too little and it's often too late. Huh. Um, and and the, I'd say the last thing about the difference and the thing that you got to adjust to is just... Uh, how do I say, say this delicately? But politics is really, really dirty. It's as exactly as dirty as you think it is. Um, just the backbiting and, and the and the you know one guy leaves the zoom and the other guy says, okay, I can finally say what I was going to say, but I had to wait till he left. You know, it, it's just it's really uh, it's a pay to play world. Um, our industry has a sort of established lobby through Neva National uh, Independent Venue. Um, and the reason why they got so much done with Save Our Stages was that they have that lobby was established. Um, we we don't. We're just getting. We're actually we're building the plane and trying to fly it at the same time because the need to fly it is very real. The need for relief is very real. The need for um, uh, legislation that's going to help our industry is 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 prescient. It's now, and um, so we have no choice but to bobble around actually still bolting the plane together as we're trying to take it off um there was just no choice in the matter so it's been a it's been a a, a very frustrating process to get to where we are um you know in april we all thought we'll we'll, we'll get a nice check coming our way and uh uh you know cares act came along and we thought oh that was easy um and ever since that and we didn't know we had nothing to do with that by the way we all thought that our letters had actually helped um now we know how much more focused our efforts have to be and how now we have a lobby that's actually 10 months old rather than brand new that nobody's heard of. Um, so the, the the winds are starting to happen, for, yeah. fortunately, uh, based on that. And there's still plenty of losses, but uh, that's kind of the that's kind of the difference. And the, the thing it has in similar uh, the thing that's similar about doing uh, advocacy work and being a lighting guy um, is that there's definitely a unique technical language that you have to know. You, the, uh, and that has been uh, a learning curve like no other. I find myself um, in presentation meetings, you know, with, with other organizations, you know, talking to an ILEA chapter in Minnesota or something like that, which I do frequently now. Um, I find myself spitting out these things that I didn't even know a week ago. And, and, you know, the, the onus is on me to sound like an expert. Um, but let me tell you, the imposter syndrome is real with this work. Every night you go, why is this me doing this? I, I, I can't be the only one who sort of knows what they're doing, but furthermore, I really don't know what I'm doing. So a lot of times you have to check yourself and realize, look, just keep learning, just keep doing the work, just keep reading, you know, read, 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 read. And and I have access to professional lobbyists. So I get to ask them just candidly, what does this mean? What is reconciliation? How does that work? And things like that. And just having said those words now, I realized it was only two weeks ago, I didn't know a thing about how reconciliation works. 
or even what it was or even that it existed. Um, so anyway. Huh. So that, that actually brings up a really great question. How did you even end up in this role? I mean, tell us what kind of things you were doing before and then how did you jump into this like deep end pool of, of advocacy? Well, I, I tell a lot of people, um, uh, folks do funny things when their backs are up against the wall. Um, so uh, I, I, I rightfully or not rightfully, I suppose, I, I do get uh, a lot of praise and thanks from from colleagues all over the country. And that's really heartwarming and wonderful um, and, and makes this so much easier. But the truth of it is, is um, this isn't, you know, 100 percent. Uh, something that you do uh, out of <laughs> this sort of kindness piece. Um, I, I certainly do care about my industry and my colleagues, and, and absolutely I want to you know, raise them all up. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I had to go save my business, and, and that, that'll get you started in a thing like that, like this. To me, uh, there, there was, there's nothing else I could have done. Um, but I, I started because, uh, and by the way, I've heard this story from other state chapters who all have now funneled into LEC. Um, I started one morning waking up realizing this is late March and the order to close down had just happened. And we actually lost our first event uh, back in, in late February, about a week before loading. We, we lost a, a large uh, sales launch for Adidas. And so we, we had seen the writing on the wall, but we, really, we, we thought it was still just basically the flu season, you know. So by the time the state shut down uh, third week of March, a couple of days after that, I woke up and realized, you know, governor's going to open us back up probably June-ish, July-ish. And that, that is what happened. Uh, and by by us, I meant the businesses people know, like gyms and restaurants and, and you know, uh, non-essential retail and things like that that were at that time shut, right? And I thought, but here's the thing. Everybody will think everything's fine now. And it's demonstrably not fine for our industry because they won't open us back up. Yeah. And no one will even bat an eye or ask a question about it. I need to do something. I don't know what that looks like. So I started having conversations with what became the, the you know, basically the, the other four founders of LEIO. Uh, we started talking about who else can we bring into the fold. We started, you know, researching um, all the health issues around reopening because we thought one of our plans was to be in on the conversation about what reopening for our industry could look like and what measures we would have to take to even have an event. Uh, I mean, we did things like go, our, go out and find thermal scanners that people could put at the door so people could come to the event and get their temperature taken. Uh, all these things that w we thought were going to be critical. And at the same time, we saw this guy named Isaac Rothwell, who was uh, basically the the guy that started the effort at LEC. Um, he's considered uh, one of the founders, but he did this thing on his own. He wrote, you guys probably signed it. He wrote a petition effort uh, in mid-March and uh, put it on change.org, this, this kind of petition host website. Um, and uh, almost a half a million people signed it. Um, sadly, change won't give you Change.org won't give you people's emails that sign the petition for anything less than, I believe the price was 80 cents 
an address. Wow. So not having uh, $400,000, um, then we never captured those contacts. So we don't know who signed that thing. But the, out of that came LEC, and that kind of inspired me to do something at the state level. So I, and I, at the same time, I started reaching out to people at LEC, just any who, whoever I could find on their Facebook page. And and it, it took a while. It took about two months, and we had formed our our organization, and and we're we're actually a, an official. Um, we're an we're an LLC, believe it or not. We're changing, but that's another story. Um, so we we got that going and our intent was to do some federal you know outreach with our own members of congress here in oregon uh and also do a lot of state outreach and find out what we can get done um one of the things that we we won on right away was um uh, commercial eviction moratorium here in the state so that was use, definitely useful um and we ultimately became part of the engine that got the, the PPP rules to change. Initially, you only had two months to use the money and it had to be 75% uh, payroll. Um, and we got that changed uh, in late May. That was our first big win. And a lot of the what drove that was just going to our own two senators here in Oregon, who then go to their caucus uh, on the Senate floor and say, listen, this is what we're hearing. Are you hearing this too? And that's how that got done. So um, that's kind of the the opening of the thing. And it, 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 I won't pretend that I had this grand strategy to write uh, for the national and to sit in on every member of Congress meeting. Uh, I, I did not think that or, or intend that. Um, this all just sort of steamrolls, and and it has been, uh, it has driven itself. Honestly, uh, um, I would tell you that. There's a good chance I wouldn't be sane now cooped up at the house without this work. Um, it's not like I have any lighting to do. So yeah, it's been a blessing in that way to have a, a purpose and a function. That's well, watching from a <clears throat> watching from a distance. It's it's actually been inspiring to me to see uh, because I know you so well. We worked together at Hollywood Lights uh, many moons ago, but it's really cool to see how you took the principles of your being and, and who you are as a person and you converted it into this, this position of advocacy for everybody in our industry. And it's really powerful to watch. I mean, it really is just, just, just being on the sidelines. It's really cool to see. So I thank you. Thanks man. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. it it's I, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It, it really is an honor to be trusted with this important work. Um, and, you know, uh, you, you fight off the imposter syndrome because you know that somebody has to do this and, and it's okay if you don't know everything, um, go out and ask and learn. And if you trip, you trip, you get back up. Um, but it, it, I, it is absolutely uh, an honor to be trusted with this important work. And, and I, I, hope, I hope we get done what, we're, what we set out to do. Yeah, I think it's been... Um... I've been watching the LEC from the sidelines too, and it's been very encouraging to see um, some of the work that's been done. I mean, it's it's when you look at our industry, we've always lived in the shadows. Everybody, we're always in the we're the backstage, we're the people in the dark, wearing black, you know, because the whole if goal. If we're doing to, it right. Yeah, exactly. Was to for nobody to think about us. Don't worry about us. We're just here to make the show go well. And um, you know, thank you for stepping out of the light or stepping out of the dark into the light and uh, helping those that don't have a voice or don't know how to do it. Um, I was actually messaging through LinkedIn with the president at LEC just uh, last week, 
uh, Nancy. a little bit. Uh, say that again? Nancy. Yes, with Nancy. And uh, we were just talking back and forth a little bit about what they're doing and what they're up to. And uh, it's just really cool to see all the great stuff that's been happening. Um, now, uh, taking on such a big task, because it is, I mean, it's giant. It's it, it's not easy, as you as you mentioned before, to lobby Congress or any sort of influence in that nature. Um, how do you... I guess, how do you manage this role of, you know, not only being your own business owner, because it's not like you're just full time getting paid to, to lobby and work with the, the live events chapter in Oregon or anything like that. Um, how are you managing both, you know, both from a personal standpoint, family life, home life, and then business, and then also, you know, adjusting to really taking on all the advocacy stuff? I don't know if I do manage it, um, if I'm honest. No, well, okay, I must. Um, so, well, first of all, there's not much lighting to manage right now. Um, after after shutdown in March, I believe we successfully pulled out eight total events. Um, I think we, we had five virtual uh, fundraisers that we got involved with. Um, pennies on the dollar, mind you. Yeah. Um, literally, literally like 5% of what we would have gotten paid to do the, the, the live event. Right. Yep. Um, but, but we did them. I'm we were happy. I was happy to give my staff some work for the Lord's sakes. Um, and I, I, then I think we had three outdoor micro weddings, uh, and, and that's it. Um, I, I think we rented gear to, uh, a couple of people here and there as well, which, you know, ends up costing you more to send somebody to the shop to open up and pull it and, you know, you pay them their four hour minimum and then you, you get a $90 rental out of it. So, yeah. um, but you know, we, there hasn't been much, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, and I did keep my, my business manager, um, uh, who's I've worked with for, uh, nearly 30 years now going way back to before I was at Hollywood lights and before I, obviously before I started this company, uh, Dina. So she is on, uh, like an 18 hour a week schedule just to keep, you know, uh, she goes to the shop and gets the mail once a week and starts the trucks and um, that drives them around the, the, the parking lot and stuff like this. And uh, she also keeps the bills paid and the lights on. Um, yeah. and, and she's been the, the engine that, that that does things like help get our PPP and our EIDL loan and things like that. Um, so it really has freed me up to do, I would say, 95% of my day is advocacy and the other 5%, um, I might work on a proposal or something for a new piece of business you know, a year from now. Um, and, and that, by the way, I, I hope that other people in our sphere are starting to see the outlook um, improve. Uh, I think it's like there's a hard line between June and May, right, where there's nothing in May. And all of a sudden, we've got all these things on the books for June. Um, if you're in multiple verticals um you're probably just seeing the weddings we're in we're in all the verticals we do we don't care we, we do weddings we do corporate events we do uh rock and roll whatever it is um yeah. and so we're the only thing we're seeing is is people having weddings and and uh the, the summer's actually looking quite full well, but good. um that could all go away if this vaccine doesn't happen but uh yeah the bobbling of of, of the two things i'm i'm fortunate to have a little bit of help and um, uh, a nice home office where I can hang out with my dog and just work away. And um, 
yeah, that's how I get through it pretty much. So help help the listeners here uh, understand the structure of the live events industry machine, the, the between the coalition and the states, and how many states do you have involved? And okay. uh, and and uh, is are all fifty states represented? Is my next question. Not yet, but um, our our three year plan. And by the way, we're not putting this away when the pandemic goes away. This is going to stay. Yeah. Um, I, I think I hinted at that. If we had been around five years ago and had uh, already built the plane, um, we would have had very res- different results um, from our efforts. So this is we're keeping this. It's been too, too hard to get it going to take it apart. Uh, but so the way it, it's working now is it, it, there's been about a six month effort to get this formalized. And just yesterday, they got the final paperwork back from legal. Um, as to the agreement between a chapter state and the national LEC. So it'll look a lot like, uh, have you guys ever heard of the American Rental Association? So all rental houses, uh, like party rental places and so forth, they, they tend to be a member of this. Huh. And when you basically, you you sign up and you, whatever state you're in, you're a member of that state's chapter now, but your money goes to LEC. LEC will then kick the states back a portion of that money to help them, you know, keep their operations open. States are free to do whatever they want um, in their own state efforts, but we will be feeding out each state chapter the national language. So if there's if they want to talk to a federal uh, member of Congress uh, in their own state, we, we ask them to sing from our hymnal basically we want to control the narrative when it comes to federal governance but they can take on any project they want in terms of of their own state also we'll we'll be able to offer members things like we are already have group health lined up so if you're if you're out there in the individual world you know how expensive that is um i i know i priced mine out and it was about uh, 30% less than I was paying for my own individual health care. So we already offer that and we're going to continue with things like that. We're going to continue with uh, uh, seminars and mental health programs. And next week, uh, on well, a week from today, uh, we are doing um, a seminar about uh, basically advocacy 101, myself and one of our lobbyists and another one, a, f- a fellow on, um, on our government affairs committee is going to be leading that. So you can basically come and learn how to better advocate. What do you say when you're in a meeting, a Zoom meeting with with these people? Um, Things like that. So, and there are, uh, there's an entire committee that's working out membership um, um, details and and how, what members are gonna get for their $75. (laughs) There's people figuring out how to raise money because lobbyists are expensive. The entire reason, this is not expensive running a coalition, by the way. Oregon has had the same $2,000 in the bank for like six months now. Um, basically, we've never fundraised. We all just chipped in some money uh, on our own. And, you know, it got us our website up and, you know, constant contact uh, uh, subscription and things like this. But it, it isn't expensive to do it, really. Um, but if you have lobbyists, that's different. Yeah. Um, those guys, uh, those guys seeing you coming. And but you can't do it. You can't do it without them. You know, there's just no way to get into uh, Senate Leader Schumer's office without them. You you can knock on the door if you like as a little unknown uh, advocacy group. But if you have a lobbyist that can open the door for you because the guy used to work there, 
that's a whole different thing. So you, you and that's again, you got to pay to play. Now, who the the lobbyists that are assisting you at a federal level, you know, who um, what do they specialize in? I mean, are they just they're just the the key to the door, or do they actually have a stake in live events? They don't. Um, they they have. Uh, industry group clients, for instance, my I, I work with a guy, I work with two guys from the company that we use. Um, one is GOP and the other one's a Dem. And uh, the Dem guy uh, used to work in, for a senator, um, on, on a chief of staff for a senator. And the uh, Republican guy uh, worked in the House for John Boehner. Um, so I get both chamber perspectives. Um, you know, it's a House strategy. Then I talk to the Repu to the Republican guy. If it's a Senate strategy, I generally get everything I need to know from the Dem. And same thing. If it's a party strategy, my Republican guy won't. I hardly talk to him at, at all right now because, you know, for the first time, we I hate to say it, but we're not really doing that much outreach to to GOP um, because uh, Congress is completely controlled by the Democrats. And at the moment, the efforts they're making are going to happen strictly on a party basis. They're, once we have a, an initiative that's going to take 60 votes, that'll all change. We, then we have to dig down and we'll pretty much only be talking to Republicans because we already have the 50 on the Dem side. And so we, we know we'll have to find 10 more. So that they will they show us how to do that, right? They help us. They, they actually call themselves a, a creative advocacy strategy firm, I think is how they how they term it. So they are in our committee meetings and they'll come and speak at some of our um, member meetings. Um, they shoot us down a lot. Uh, in particular, I've had my heart broken on a couple of things I, I thought we could get after. And they, they, they'll tell you no and they'll tell you why. Um, and that's really critical. They save us from um, spinning our wheels a lot. Uh, the other thing is, is if you have something you want to get into uh, congressional leadership, that's, uh, you know, majority leader, minority leader, speaker of the house, these things, um, it's just going to get there easier if they send it. So they press play on a lot of our um, member of Congress communication efforts for us. So that begs the question to me, then, if we're <clears throat> if we have to use lobbyists to get to a lot of these people, does the individual efforts of the constituents in all the states, you know, the, the talking about, oh, send your email to your congressman or your or your senator or send this or send that. I mean, I, I've done it countless of times in the last <clears throat> 12 months. Does that really make a difference? Do they really see the volume of that? And, and is it worth their time or really is it just to send it out so you get the automated response email that says, oh, yes, we see you and we care about you. I don't I'm not trying to be insensitive about it. I'm just asking the question, uh, like, I mean, question. who's who are they really listening to? And do they are they really do they care about the constituency and they're actually listening or is it just the lobbyists? Yes, is the answer that they, they, they do care. Um, it does get to them. Uh, what you don't know is if you send it to the general inbox at your senator or representative's um, website, it, it by law, it becomes a, an official congressional record, your letter. Okay. So if you happen to know a staffer and you send them an email, that's not an official part of law. It's, that's a, that's a, just a communication and they may or may not answer you. I have entire months where my own guys here in Oregon just ghost me 
And then all of a sudden they'll call me out of the blue and they'll say, hey, we have an idea. So it's like, it, it's such madness on Capitol Hill right now that um, I can't sometimes even expect to get an answer. But to the single person out there in your state, it is absolutely critical that we keep the echo chamber full of noise. The more noise in the echo chamber, the better shot we have of getting recognized. Right. Now, would we like you to sing from our hymnal? Yes, we would. That's why we do letter campaigns. That's why we do petitions. Um, and when you see those, uh, please click them. It's easy. You're, you're, you're not going to have your taxes go up. They're not going to send uh, immigration over to find you. It doesn't work that way. There are so many millions of these communications going on. You're, what you're doing is you're elevating this because they can see that their inbox is now full of this letter in the case of a letter campaign. Or in the case of a petition, we can go, this is how many people signed this thing. What do you think? There were this many in your state. There were this many in your district, so forth and so on. Yeah. So um, it is absolutely critical that you do that, of course. But if you are of the mind to pick up the phone and call your congressperson's office in, 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 your, in your jurisdiction, in your area, you don't have to call the D.C. office. In fact, don't. Call, but call call their local office, especially if you know their the, the Congress is on recess, right? It, there's there's no reason not to. You're going to talk to a staffer, and and they're often uh, right now because of COVID. You're not going to talk to anybody. You're going to leave a message, and you may get a call back. But in your message, say the problem, say what's going on. Talk about 12 million people who are impacted by this. Talk about the over a million businesses, small businesses mostly, that are getting crushed and have been forgotten. Talk about the fact that, you know, Save Our Stages only helps 8% of our industry. The rest of us are in the exact same condition, but we're out in the cold. So the congratulations, Congress, you just picked winners and losers yeah. and you're not supposed to do that. So yeah, absolutely know the talking <clears throat> points but even if you don't, even if you just want to call and say, or, or write and say, I don't know what to say here, man. I've been an independent, whatever. Uh, I, I've been an A2 for the last blah, blah, blah. And I'm out of work. I don't know what's coming back. What can you do to help our industry? That's better than nothing. I mean, yeah. the, our story is really easy because it's true. If we were having to stretch to get to something impressive as we talk to these folks, that would be different. That would be a real challenge. And I don't even know if I'd be comfortable doing it. But our story is just flat compelling. Uh, and, and you don't have to lie or exaggerate at all to get to the compelling part. It is written itself. And I'm not saying that's a good thing that we're all living this. But we do have a unique situation where we can go, oh, that's cute that you think restaurants are in trouble. <laughs> you want to come over here? We, we can't go do to-go food. We can't set up a tent in our front yard and do events. It's not happening. It's here's, adorable that you think they're the hardest hit, but they're LED, not. Here's an LED park head. Take it home for the day. <laughs> Take a, right. And do please enjoy. And uh, remember, charge it up when you're done. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think. And the, the, But that said, again, like you said it really well, Jordan, that uh, we're invisible. We're supposed to. We're supposed to be in the background. We, we've, it's our sacred mission to, for nobody at that fundraiser to know that right now in the room, there are 180 people who probably work for something like 20 to 22 companies doing this event. And you yeah. don't even know we're there. You're not supposed to. You're just supposed to come sit down, have a so-so dinner and donate generously. That's it. 
That's your whole job. And then when the band comes on, you'll go, oh, there's some employees. It's band members. That's literally all you're aware of. And maybe the MC, right? Yeah. The auctioneer. That's it. But you don't know there's video guys running PowerPoint. You don't know that. And and, and that's our job. Yeah. But it's 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 really been detrimental uh, for 11 months now that that's the case. Um, we thought we'd be just authoring uh, congressional bills by June, right? And and no, really, what we what we've done the first six months is just become known by explaining who we are and how many we are. That's been the exercise. Yeah. The, and, we've done the ask. Don't get me wrong, but so that's been the biggest part of it. Just a circling back to what you said earlier about making phone calls it sounds to me <clears throat> like while email could be effective honestly picking up the phone and just having the little bit of i i would say boldness because picking up the phone and calling some random number that you don't really necessarily know can be intimidating and i can personally say myself i don't want to call some staffer in my state and be like hey we have this big problem and then they'll you know and then have somebody on the other line be like oh that's not a problem think about this problem but making that phone call like really sounds like the right way to get a whole like to get a i guess a face with the problem put a face or a name or a voice to the issue versus just an email that's a line in an automated inbox that shows up with a certain title on it would that be a would that be a pretty good way to you know actually create better advocacy I do both. I honestly, um, there are so many because of COVID and because these they're not working in their offices. So you're going to get the office, you're going to get a machine. Uh, and so somebody's going to check it and hopefully they will get back to you. But when you call, leave your phone number and your email address because they might be happier sending you an email, right? Um, but then also do go, if nothing else, again, go to the general inbox and send the email. Don't do this unless you know what you're going to say. Don't do this unless you know what the ask is. Um, I mean, calling and bitching is what every other one of their constituents are doing all day, every day. Yeah. Tell our story, be compelling, be, be okay. Telling the story of our industry and why we are where we are and how much longer we're going to be here. Tell them that just because the state's <laughs> open us back up, doesn't mean we just hang the open sign and start doing events tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to take months. Yep. Tours got to get booked. Right. I mean, it, it, it's not going to happen that way. Besides, most of corporate has already said they are not meeting in 21 at all. Doesn't matter. They're just not doing it. No in-person in 21 for our, our major corporate clients have all said that. Yeah. So um, you got to do both. I think, Jordan, honestly, I think it's you got to hit both ends of that. And the other thing is um, it's public record who chiefs of staff are and legislative uh, directors are on these staffs. So you can go to congress.com or whatever it is, and you have all those email addresses right there. Just type in your state. It'll tell you who your rep is, who your two senators are, and there's the right address. So send it to a person if you want. Okay. I mean, that's, again, it doesn't automatically become official record that way, but really the point is, is to start a conversation. Okay. And be prepared for no. Be prepared for uh, to get ghosted, and you just gotta have you have to keep going back over and over and over and over. Let's let's theorize that we're all out of work right now, right? What else are we doing? Yeah. Just take take twenty minutes a day and do this. Um, and again, echo chamber. It matters. So now uh, about that, like, so we know on a grassroots level we can call, but. Do we call our state reps? Do we call, I mean, how much, how much of an echo chamber do we need to create? Is it 
our mayors? Do we call our, you know, our local uh, house rep in our state Congress? Like, depends on the ask. It depends on the ask. If you're asking for something that will get um, legislated on the state level, absolutely. Um, if you're looking for something that you know is the kind of money that's got to come from the feds, then there's not much will happen there. Um, I've, I've noticed situations where I, I've talked to a few local reps here in Oregon, um, and they've said, well, I'll get on the phone with, with Senator Merkley or Senator Wyden, um, our, our two U.S. Um, senators. And that doesn't not have value, but it, it's a long shot to get that much interest. Because the, the first thing they're going to do when you get on the phone with them, and by the way, you will be able to talk directly to your state reps often. They, they aren't even... Most of them have jobs, by the way. This is a part-time gig for them. So getting in, in front of them isn't hard. Um, but they're going to be very confused as to what it is you want from them if you don't know. So if you want to talk about, hey, man, you need to fix our state's unemployment system. It is a train wreck. And I had to wait eight weeks to get one check. That's a very valid thing to take up with your state. Or if you've, you're noticing that uh, the state has done several small business assistance uh, grant programs and you couldn't get in on any of them, you know, that's a good thing to go, Hey, just so you know, that money is going fast. And I, I, I applied for the last five and I couldn't get through any of them. You got to do more because we are shut down, man. Those are all things that if you know, that's where the money comes from or the, where, where the, the legislation can happen, then absolutely. But in terms of the things that the, the big stuff, uh, like PUA, PEUC, all the unemployment stuff, the states aren't going to influence that at all. And, and your mayor definitely won't. Um, mostly what you'll get from the state down is a lot of ceremonial stuff. Um, that said, boy, uh, in Utah, they did a bang up job. Uh, they, they spent all their time on states. And Utah, is, like I said, their industry is so small that people from, from our world are getting a check every month. So it's not that it can't happen. I just think the, the, the odds are better um, this is such a huge problem and you probably need so much money that federal is probably the only way you're going to get it. Got it. Well, that's, that's great information. I love that. Um, what thinking about advocacy, thinking about all of the assistance that you just talked about, where can we, where can people get the most concise information to communicate <clears throat> exactly what the problem is? I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about, 12 million out of work, tons of small right. business, all small businesses. I mean, I, I don't know more than two or three live event companies that have more than 500 employees. So, I mean, we're talking all small businesses as the big, you know, federal government classification, uh, you know, right. lots of independent contractors, 1099 uh, people that may not have qualified for unemployment in the first place. Is there a good place to go and get all of this information in one, you know, relatively concise format? And so you're talking about uh, where do I get the talking points? Is that yeah? Yep. Okay. Um, I am checking right now. I know. Sorry that we're live, and I shouldn't be stumbling on this. But um, we uh, we generally keep uh, copies of our letters on the website, and I'm seeing one now. Um, I'm checking to see if there is actually. A talking points that, page. This is um, at liveeventscoalition.org. Correct, liveeventscoalition.org. Uh, yes, here it is. Um, if you click on resources, uh, it'll take you to a lovely page. Um, and it says uh, legislative wins. 
uh, for the live events industry. So that'll tell you, um, you click there and that will take you to my summary. It's about eh, five pages long, it's hosted on Google Docs. And you can see broken down what's gonna be for you and what isn't. That's the first thing. Um, then we're, we generally keep um, talking points letters in there. Um, you know, you should give out my email address and any of the listeners are welcome to contact me and I can send you ready to go uh, MOC packages. Sorry, member of Congress. Sorry, I'm totally turning into a wonk here. I don't mean to do that. Member of Congress packages. We have a nice nine page graphic that's ready to roll. We have a letter that's ready for you to personalize. It's even yellow highlighted in the places you need to personalize it for your member of Congress. Um, so that's ready to go. And we are just today finishing um, a, a case study document. Uh, we're, we're trying to do one in key member states that's just case studies from their state of what's happening to our businesses, like with specific revenue numbers from 19 compared to 20. Um, we don't name the, the, the company, but we say what, what vertical they're in. Uh, like here's a, an exhibit builder in this state, blah, blah, blah. So, but we have one that I, I believe there's a New York and a Kentucky and an Oregon example. And it's a, a, an AV house and a exhibit builder and a caterer. So it's nice and broad, nice and diverse. And it just, it's, it's three hard hitting bits of stat. So we'll have that available for you to send, send it around because numbers don't lie. Um, uh, so they're welcome to email me and to say, hey, I'd like to get your, your talking points package, your letter package, your communications package, because I, I want to take this on. I want to reach out to my guy. I will happily send that to you. You can either send it verbatim or you can lift sentences and paragraphs out of it to make your own thing. Okay, great. I will... Now, if I'm, uh, I'm in... Uh, in fact, just... my email address haha, is on this same page. So it's on the resources page. <laughs> I was just going to say, there I'll make is. sure to drop it into the notes uh, below this episode with uh, advocacy resources, liveeventscoalition.org resources, so that people don't have to try and do it while they're listening. They can actually go back and just click on the link. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so if I'm in a different state than Oregon, uh, where how can I find my state level? Can you find it from the live eventscoalition.org site no not not at this not at this time um there there are folks on uh, a, a committee that is other than mine that are working really hard to gather for instance they're trying to gather every single state's reopening guidelines and every single state's where they are on reopening because there's a great deal of consternation about number one what can i do and what can i not do uh, especially since it's getting really janky and, and you got Florida basically open and you got New York threatening to open this, especially with um, uh, sports, with uh, professional sports. Uh, you got Oregon is still essentially shuttered in terms of live events. So there's a lot of, a lot of ringing, hand ringing over where do I even find this? Um, and so there's a group in LEC that's working on gathering all that right now and making it a live thing with live links. So you can go find the latest in addition to, you know, a current, day's summary. Um, that's a um, pretty big lift, <laughs> 50 states, but uh, I know I'm not involved, but they are working on that. In terms of finding your, your MOCs is really easy. You just basically go to uh, just type in into the Google search um, your state's name and then legislature. And you'll go, you'll end up at a site that'll have contact for everybody. You, you enter, Generally, you enter your zip code and they'll tell you who your reps are. And who your senators are. 
Outstanding. What, um, so thinking of partners, thinking of other states, what if you don't find one in your state? Um, what should somebody who says, Hey, I want to advocate. I want to be the voice for our state, for the people that live and work (coughs) in our state. Um, what are a couple of steps they can take to begin that process of establishing that? If you're not already, you should be following the, the, uh, you should be in the Facebook page for LAC. That's a good resource for that. I rather than send an email, um, uh, to me because I'm not that committee, um, uh, I'm just going to double check and see if this guy who, who heads this committee. Anyway, there's a guy who does nothing but this. He's onboarding new states and helping guide you through getting your local effort started. Um, at one point, I was kind of doing that because I, I've now helped California, Washington, Illinois, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey uh, get rolling. Um, and I, I built the Kentucky chapter from the ground up myself. So everybody thought, oh, this guy's perfect for that. And it's no, this guy's busy, man. <laughs> so we finally got somebody else to do it. Um, and he, I see he is not yet on the website because this just happened last week. But he's working actively to help people form their own small coalition. You know, sometimes the coalition is literally just a Facebook group. And the, the people who are following it are people you invited in from the industry. And what happens is you start talking about, hey, I heard there's this program coming up. It's super helpful. But anyway, I would rather than try to email him. His name is Sean Nicholson. He's in Connecticut. Um, I would go to the Facebook page and say, hey, I really want to get a state effort going. And I don't think there's one in my in my state. Um, can you let me know, A, is there is there one? And B, if there's not, how I can get this rolling? Um, that, okay. that was, that's what I would do. We're really good about answering questions on Facebook. I'm right. one of the per- people that does it. No, that's, that's outstanding. And if let's say people don't want to go through the effort or they don't feel like they have the chutzpah to start a coalition in their own state, um, even as freelancers, should they, do you think that it's a good idea go and become a member of the event coalition? I mean, I shouldn't even say, should it be a good idea? It is a good idea to go <laughs> jump online, go to the live event coalition.org site and, and become a member. It, yes, it's a couple of dollars, but your dollars go to a place that is going to help your industry and make your life better in the long run. Um, tell me if you get a turn, that, Wayne. <laughs> I know, 100%, man. Um, we, we, we need members. We need, honestly, we need your membership dues. And, you know, for once, there's an organization you can join where we'll just candidly tell you exactly what we're going to do with the money. You know, uh, the, I will tell you, we're dead in the water without our lobbyists. And you know what? We're about to get unemployment extended. Okay. Does that matter to you? Because if it does, is it worth 75 bucks to you to help us, to help us help you? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a, personally, it's a no brainer. If you're a business owner, you know, you, you, you join as a business and you get, you know, X amount, depending on what level you join at X amount of your employees can automatically be members. So they, if you're not somebody who offers insurance to your, to your people, for instance, uh, now you have a way that people can get a great deal on, on health insurance. Okay. Um, there, there's just so many reasons. And, and more importantly, w- when you join that helps us have your voice. Um, we can only ask you to sign a petition or to get onto a letter campaign or to share your data um, as, as part of a survey 
if we have your email address. Well, you only get your email address if you join. I mean, it, it comes down to that. Um, so more voices just makes us louder, just keeps the echo chamber full. Awesome. So that would be my pitch. So the, uh, the current bill on the Hill, um, I've heard a couple different scenarios and what's going on, but there's so much chaos going on because of impeachments and whatnot. Um, do you think the Save Our Stages Act helped or hurt our case to get the Restart Act going? Because, you know, if I'm a congressman from, I don't know, Idaho, and I don't know anything about the live event industry, and I signed, yeah, okay, I'm going to vote for Save Our Stages. I feel like maybe I already did my part for the live event industry by doing that. But what they don't understand is it's more than just the venues, it's the people that run the venues that need help as well. So do you think they've already, they think that they've already done enough? And I think many of them do. I, I was talking to leader Schumer two nights ago um, at, a, at a virtual event and, uh, you know, raised my hand and got, but started my pitch. Um, I was two sentences in. Chuck loves to cut you off, by the way. Um, I, I, he interrupted me. He goes, yeah, we got you guys dialed, didn't we? Because I was just starting to explain what we were. Didn't even get through the sentence. I said, actually, uh, you're probably talking about SBOG, the Shuttered venue, Venues guy. I said, yeah, that is a wonderful program, and it does help 8% of our industry. And he says, what, what, what's left? What didn't we get? And I just basically went through, well, we're, we're the guys, we do AV and we, we're, we're event florists and designers and rental agencies and, and rental venues and planners and producers. We're, we don't just do live performance. We, we do corporate events and we do weddings and private events and social events and, and fairs and festivals. They're, they're, they only get to go once a year and they're just dead in the water. And I got him to finally say on on camera and it recorded he goes yeah here's who in my staff you got to talk to i said i just talked to him this morning and and he is now looking at our our proposal and we, and we hope that you will too and he goes okay great we have to help you guys that's on record awesome that's that's huge but the moral of this story is i'm pretty sure you're right we're all pretty sure you're right they think done and done with svog yeah. and that by that measure that means it did more harm than good. And, and not taking away anything from our, our colleagues who, who own performance venues or happen to be a talent agent. That, not taking anything at all away from that. I still take a lap on, on S, SOS because it was partially our parlance that, that got it pushed to the front. Unfortunately, Senator Klobuchar saw it as a way to get reelected. And so that's why she started pushing it in the first place. And it was as we know, incomplete. So it, honestly, it, it's harmed us. It, it is the reason why in the current package, there's not much meat on the bones for our industry. Okay. I think that's, I think that's something important that, that our listeners need to hear right now. We're not, you know, it's not necessarily in this bill, but the LEC is working for that next, that next step, that, that next package yeah. It's going to, that's going to be specifically targeted towards our industry, our freelancers, our companies, our, our people that are, uh, you know, are needing help on a big scale. And we're gonna for, you know, 
the the coming year for for sure. Well, it's it's a once and for all thing. There, we really ran into a perfect storm with this whole thing. Now think about it. You had a contested election that happened, the presidential election. So, you know, you you fast forward to they get the last relief package bill signed. Finally, too late. We all missed our unemployment for a couple of weeks, but it, it did get signed. And then everybody goes home for what? Christmas. Yeah. Ah, shit. Okay, now we're in recess. There's no point in bothering them. So we just went, all right, let's just lay down until January 4th. And we start our work on the next package on January 4th. What we didn't know, we couldn't have known, is that President Biden already had an outline of a platform that we couldn't have known. And you know what? If we hadn't seen the Dems win those two Georgia seats on the 6th, and, they had, and, and it was still a Republican Senate, that Biden plan would be very different. We'd still be arguing over it. We'd still be able to get something we want in it because it would the whole thing would be being fought over. Now, he's got the House and he's got the Senate and they're just going to go lockstep. They're just going to say, yeah, let's get Joe everything he wants. And, and nothing about us was really in there. It's $50 billion for small business. Uh, 25 of it's going to go to restaurants. We hope that caterers will qualify for that because that's a tiny, tiny, tiny win for our for our world. But let me tell you, that's not really winning. The restaurants were lobbying for 290 billion. They got 25. That's a less than a 10th of what they need, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's not get all excited quite yet on that one. The other, the rest of it, they're putting another billion into SVOG. Apparently they, th they thought that 15 wasn't enough. It's not. Um, and that a billion would fix it. It won't. Um, but there you go. Uh, and then the rest of it's going to go back into uh, idle. There'll be, I don't, have not read the text. I just got it before we started this this recording. Um, but I don't know if they're going to let us have a second idle or not. But I would wager most business owners in our world don't want another idle because they can't take on any more debt. Yeah. So this this is, it's not just us losing. The hotel's got nothing. Uh, hotels are, are in trouble as well. We got, by and large, nothing. But next package is where we're going. This time, hopefully, this perfect storm that we encountered with insurrectionists at the Capitol and and not knowing which party was going to control the Senate and, and a, a, an incoming president that was absolutely shackled by an outcoming president who wouldn't help with the transition. So this bill just got foisted on us. with We had no time to lobby for anything. Um, I, I believe the next one will, will, in my heart, the next one will go better. Um, I, I, Schumer's office wants to work with us to help craft some some language around it. But at the end of the day, they, they can't sponsor it politically. But they're helping us push us to the right senator to sponsor us. We're looking at um, Cortez Mastro in Nevada really, really seriously right now. Um, she has a, a habit of, of being a little light-handed so we don't know if that's our champion. We're basically looking for a member of Congress uh, to help us write and introduce this legislation around business grants. Yeah. By the way, spoiler alert, it's going to look a lot like SBOG. It's going to look a lot like it. You, you get a grant based on your 2019 revenue. That's basically we're trying to mimic your operating costs. Yeah. Fig figure out what your operating costs might be and give you that money so you can stay open. Well, an S and and um an S S V G shuttered venue S V O G S V O G shuttered venue. Um, originally it did include, or I thought it included 
like audiovisual type companies because I watched a whole like uh, uh, Speaker Schumer did an entire p like an entire press conference about it and had like the venue the venue association and had a like AV companies and a whole bunch of stuff up in somewhere in New York and like Long Island I think and they did this whole press conference about it and that was what got me excited about the shuttered venues grant and then yeah we saw a version of that too um, that didn't fly yeah so. But remember, he he didn't have a dog in that race um, because he was a minority leader then. So that's the 116th con Congress. We're, now we've moved to him being the majority leader, and and he does have a dog in the race. Um, and it's funny that you know you heard him say AV companies, and then the other night he was shocked that we still had a problem. Um, but no, they they had to negotiate out of that. And and by the way, I think the package looked something like 150 billion then, and it ended up being 15. Yeah. Somebody has to get left on the sidewalk, sadly. Yeah, and we did, as normal. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not going to pull punches at this point. I just had to lay two of my guys off today because I can't afford to keep them on anymore because we keep burning cash and nothing's coming back. I mean, it, it's – sorry, as a business owner, I'm not going to – I'm not going to relent on, on that particular um, – Nor should you, and, and I'm sorry that that had to happen, um, but you, you should be commended for keeping them on this long. I mean, I, I floated my guys in March. Yeah, I, there was I writing was on the wall. There was no way we were going to be bankrupt if I didn't. And, yeah. you know, to their credit, um, they all can't wait to come back. There, I fight for unemployment for them. Yeah, so that I can get them back. You know, you you know, you guys know as well as I do. You put years into training these people, bringing them up in your image, how whatever you want to call it, and and they they're more important than a gear you. They're yep. more important than your than in anything. Yeah, in fact as you know, we're all essentially in, in the creative trades here in events. So we can, we can all talk about how we are the, the creative and design drive. Our style has to be their style or it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So to that extent, you want to start over, find another staff. I don't, not at all. Uh, and, and you know what? Good for you for hanging on that long. That, that could not have been easy. No, it was, when I'm, I'm, the more I'm talking to to other designers and event spaces and places that uh, I think we're going to lose about 30% of our workforce in this, you know, through all this, because people are changing their careers. They're taking less pay, but they're finding, you know, the quality of life doesn't change a whole lot. You know, their benefits go up, uh, they're home every night. And, and I think, I think we're going to get in a situation come, come pull the trigger and, and we're doing events again, that we're going to be uh, scrambling to find people. And uh, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow, I think, down the road. Our survey uh, results hold that theory up, Joe. Um, that It's actually probably worse than 30%. Really? But we, we literally asked people, uh, how long can you hang on without just pivoting to another industry? And the, the average response was somewhere in the one to two months range. This is in December. Huh. And and then there was one option they could click that said, um, I've already, I'm out, I'm already out. Yeah. And that was on the order of 20-ish percent of the, of the respondents who were, who were um, employees and or contractors, not, not a business owner. Wow. So, but if the current, if the current bill uh, includes PUA, then potentially we might be able to keep more people in the fray. Cause so, know. and that's, uh, yeah, that's something that's the second half of my statement about being dead in the water. When I say dead in the water, I mean business owners. Yes. Now, on the other hand, UI, I'm 
pleased to say I can't get anybody on the Hill to tell me that UI isn't getting extended. Every single one of them, both parties, both both chambers, all, all the wonks, all the commentators, no one thinks this isn't going to happen. It, it is going to happen and it is going to go through Q, Q3, so into September, and it is going to give us a raise. They're going to go from 300 bonus to 400 bonus. So that, in fact, that thing is driving the entire conversation because there's a deadline because it expires on March 14th. March 14th. So that that is lit a fire under Congress's ass to get this done. And um, so it would be silly to think that that won't be part of it. And, and it easily fits into reconciliation. It easily, um, they're going to do a thing uh, starting the 22nd called giving this bill the birdbath. Um, there's there's these bird rules that basically tells the Senate par parliamentary, parliamentarian what he can let through reconciliation and what he can't. The thing about reconciliation is you can do it with a simple majority. Our problem is we don't have te 10 Republicans. So that's always been a must. But it really has to be a budgetary thing. You can't say um, no more gays in the military as a reconciliation. It has to be a budget-based thing. So because UI is already an ongoing um, program, as it, the federal feds have been involved with it since, what, the CARES Act early April, because that, it, it already exists, it's, it's easy to get that way. And because it's a budgetary thing, it's easy to get that way. So it's, it's just done. And that is demonstrably great news. I think every one of us in here in this room get, get unemployment, right? I do. Yes. Yeah. My, my staff does. Um, geez, uh, I mean, this is great. And it's not the whole picture. So, but it is a win. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, it'll and it's, something, it's one less thing to argue about with it. Now we're open to just look at business relief going forward as we we make these new relationships and look for a champion and, and talk to leadership and say, you guys keep leaving us out because you thought it was all good with another round of PPP and SVOG. You thought you were all good. You're not. You're not all good. And here's why. So it lets us just focus on that conversation. So um, I'm personally pumped about that. Yeah. Well, and I, it, I know it gave me peace of mind understanding that that the unemployment was going to continue uh, past past March. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's your that's your one to two months. Everybody in right. December was realizing, you know, end of February, I'm done. Like, what, what do I do next? Now and what? So, and so uh, I think once we, we get that ball rolling, it you know, that'll that'll buy us some time to figure out what's next and how to keep this rolling. Hopefully we, hopefully we save a, a, a few workers that, that don't leave the industry. You know, um, it's already a hard enough industry to be in, right? I mean, it, you, you don't do this because you, you think it's sexy. You, you do this because you can't not do it. You know, uh, uh, somebody once told me, uh, you don't, you don't write a novel because you want to write a novel. You write a novel because you have no choice. And, and I think that's true of working in this industry. You, you, you do it not because it pays, ungodly great wage or, or because people look up to you when you do it uh, or you get to meet rock stars whatever the hell that is that's never been the reason you do it because you just love it i imagine uh if you never had to worry about money you would do this job for free and i, I know i would be i would i would do this for same. Free. same it's 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 the, so it's the perfect thing for me and I, by the way i don't know about you guys i can't wait to get back to it i i, I, I get told a lot are you going to totally go into advocacy full-time and become a lobbyist and move to dc i'm like oh the hell no 
Good Lord, no. <laughs> this is the hardest shit I have ever done. I never want to do it for one minute longer than I have to. Uh, now, I honest, do, I do no. believe I still have my campaign badge, DT for president. <laughs> that I, I made it Photoshop back in, what, 2004, five, something like that? Yeah, <laughs> I got this job promotion. Uh, when Joe and I worked at Hollywood Lights, our boss decided, to, the owner and CEO decided to retire and move to Mexico. Uh, well, you know him, Jordan. Yeah. You work with him, right? Rich yep. Fuller. And uh, so he made me the prez of the company. And Joe makes these president stickers that were based on the Obama election because it was. No, no, no. It was, uh, it was before that. It was. Oh, no, that's right. It was uh, John Kerry was running. Kerry, yeah, John Kerry. Yeah, you, you stole his, his logo and then stuck my name. That's <laughs> awesome. DT for president. <laughs> I about peed my pants. That was awesome. So, what? <laughs> so, we've talked a lot tons and tons about advocacy, all the stuff people can do with the live event coalition, uh, tons of great information. Let's, uh, let's wrap everything up with one last Joe asked me, bent my arm to say this, what's the toughest gig that you've ever done? And that can't include advocacy. This, this has to be pre March, 2020. Cause as you just said, <laughs> this is the toughest thing you've ever done, but we can't include that. So toughest gig you've ever done uh let what it's like bang your head against a wall kind of gig uh, these two friends that we we do this thing we go to a uh, we rent a cabin out in central oregon every summer we go hang out and basically drink tequila for three days and play ping pong and, and pool and, and watch movies and we always have give ourselves a project we do we do a a best of list and so we have like it's like most influential songs of your life it's a, all this other stuff and one time the guy suggested why don't you let's do our favorite songs of all time i'm like screw you no that's impossible no one can do that so along those lines it would be impossible for me to pick a worse job there'd have to be like five to ten of them <laughs> the one that comes to mind for me as i was out on a short leg with kenny loggins in the this would have been she's 90 ish um and oh god um, this is before Hollywood Lights. This is a, my, my old company that, that I used to help a guy run. Um, and so it was one of those everything that could go wrong did go wrong things. Uh, we were first night of the tour. We were in Seattle at the Paramount. And, you know, we had cobbled together every Edison dimmer eight pack we could find and, and, and kind of bandaged them or rubber banded them into a, an anvil rack to, to look like a real dimmer rack. And, you know, we have these, these breakouts, break-ins, whatever, whoever, everybody calls them. We, I call them breakouts we had, from Socapacks. And then we had a bunch of multi-cable that was not Socapacks that just had strings of Edison's outlet that you string along with the truss. It's a, it's a three truss, 180 can par can rig. <laughs> and, and, you know, sparks start coming out and like bands already sound check they're off sparks start coming out and so we're taking everything apart we have one spare eight package teatronics anybody remember teatronics out there teatronics old dimmer brand not relevant anymore let the old guy bring up the old shit anyway um and so sparks start coming out the patch is all wrong everything's wrong i'm back at the desk i'm trying to program um and the, and the doors are open, man. And the doors are open. And I went out 
to the, the if you're familiar with the Paramount, you, you load in right from the street and, and it's this really steep ramp and I'm standing on this steep ramp and it's raining and I slip and I fall, I smack my head on the thing and I go, screw it. I'm go the Greyhound bus depot is six blocks from here. I'm going to get on it. I'm going to Vancouver, BC. I'm not coming back. <laughs> what if I just walked out? And I haven't even told you everything that went wrong. I mean, there's, oh, Oh my God, I had a gig where a, where a, a motor bag started on fire oh. and one of the spot ops uh, got up and peed on it. <laughs> one of the press spot ops. I love that. So that's a, they were oh probably red peeing in it. Dwayne, you told I, that me. Was the, that was the 80s. I don't, I don't remember who that it was. It was probably because he put his doobie out in it before. Well, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, I have a, a dear friend and, and he's a musician who I... I worked with for a long long time as, as their ld um local local yokel and uh he he has been collecting a thing he's writing a book called best gig stories and um the shit he has is a scream man and it's, it's musicians it's lds it's sound guys you just tell these preposterous stories of, of these gigs just gone wrong and you will laugh so hard um well, I, I wish I had uh, another three hours. I could tell you all the other crazy gigs, but that's probably the the one of the the only time I've ever questioned whether I'm going to stay in the industry was that night, opening night, Kenny Loggins tour, 1990 or so in Seattle. I just like about were, walked away. It sounded like you were ready to leave the country. <laughs> I was ready to leave the country <laughs> and just not come back. So, I absolutely was. So would that be considered a? Uh... So would that be considered the highway to the danger zone? Is that? Love that. I... Love that. <laughs> love that. Rack that. Rack that comment. I love that. <laughs> well done. But uh, awesome. Dude. Uh, Dwayne, thanks so much for your time today, man. Um, I know we went way over what we were planning on, but um, you know, advocacy in our industry could not be more important right now, especially for the next two to three months. And uh, not to say that those two to three months are more important than the 24 that'll follow. But for right now, until things get rolling again, uh, it's going to be incredibly important that we see an increase in people just being active in our industry and talking about what's going on. Like you said, echo chamber, um, <clears throat> keeping it loud. And uh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, what'd you say? I, I said, just raise up, you, you know, make your voice heard. Yeah, uh, your voice absolutely matters. Your voice matters. It doesn't matter how dim you think it is. Your your voice matters. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Joe and Dwayne, thanks guys so much. Uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time today and uh, had a great time. Tons of good information stuff. I had no clue um, about Live Events Coalition. Um, <clears throat> maybe I need to actually see, try and get Nancy on here too sometime and talk about things that are going on, uh, even going up to the, to the federal level and the, the LEC and kind of the, the creation of that with Isaac and, um, and everything else could be a really cool opportunity to talk some more about what's going on. Um, uh, I don't think this conversation ends here and, uh, it's something that should be continued. So, but awesome. miles to travel for sure. That's right. Th thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks stay well, stay well out there. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. I couldn't appreciate your time more than right now. As we talk about advocacy, we talk about how you can work with and help in the audio, video, lighting, and live events industries. I want you to know that everything that you do 
is going to help those around us. So take your time, send your emails, make your phone calls, talk to your members of Congress, your senators, so that they know how important it is to support the live event industry now more than ever. Thanks again for listening to the Gig Ready Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. Please like the podcast, leave a review, give us five stars, let us know how much you liked it, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day.